0: All right, welcome to a Friday of lacrosse talk PM, as he is most Fridays. You to be lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski, is in studio with me. Happy Friday, Rick. And he is for coming. He's getting set to go to the Barbenheimer feature, <laughs> double feature tonight. He's got to run right out of the studio right to the theater. Uh, he's going to steal my my bucket of popcorn where you get a five dollar five dollar <laughs> refills. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if you're going to that movie, but. The the uh, we talked about this last week, but the critic scores the critics. Nobody believes the Rotten Tomato critics on these. You you gave me the you gave me the screenshots of the critic scores. No audience score for Oppenheimer yet because it right. comes out. It just came out. So, but um, you you love the critics. So we maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. And and looking at our notes here, we have three Ron Johnson stories. A lot of Ron Johnson stories. Which makes me have to do this to you. I did this to Democratic Party Chair of La Crosse County William Garcia. Couple months ago, just the uh, the Tammy Baldwin Ron Johnson Academy here in Wisconsin. I almost brought it up. I went to see Steve Hofstetter, the comic last night, who's kind of a political comic. He talks mm-hmm. about and he he you can ask him questions. Okay. And I and I'll bring it up later. I I I had a question for him, but I just I couldn't I couldn't get it out without you know kind of it's too much. Like <laughs> I would have to explain too much. I think. And then when I tried to tell my friends after the show, it was like, oh, I did it perfectly. Like if I would have just, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, some of the other things, uh, me and William Garcia are going to rant about third parties. Sure. So maybe we could talk about that. Uh, we have, oh, we have Supreme Court, Wisconsin Supreme Court race numbers. It was we, it, like the how many millions of dollars the the state Supreme Court race yep. cost the state. And then uh, Evers. Uh, budget, not so bad for the state of Wisconsin? More back and forth on this, the idea
1: of having tax cuts in the future to maybe spend down more of the budget surplus. The $7 billion budget surplus is now about $4 billion, having the budget enacted by Governor Evers with his partial vetoes. And so the question is, well, what happens to the remaining surplus? There is this public back and forth now between Governor Evers and Republican Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. Robin Voss's approach seems to be that he might just have the state assembly, the state legislature, re-vote on the original Republican plan. But that is the very plan that Governor Evers vetoed with his partial veto as he signed the broader budget into law. Evers is saying that he's game for a tax cut, but just not the one that the Republicans proposed in their original
0: budget. Yeah, I always, I always laugh at the messaging with the tax cut because a lot of the headlines were average tax cut for a Wisconsinite was, and I remember, was it like 300 bucks or yeah, 150 something bucks? Something like that it was it was a ish a high, it was a higher ish number but it wasn't six dollars you know it was and and I was like well, that's not the tax cut at all that's the average and the tax cut plan I just don't understand well i had I had a economist on here this week and he said you know like some of the reasoning for a flat tax is just that it's not fair to tax one group more than the other there's a morality to it mm-hmm. and I was like okay well i I guess if you're doing it that way but that's going to blow a hole in the budget. So, But when the governor says he's not going to sign something that's just going to be a tax cut for the rich, well, then don't give him the same proposal. <laughs> this this The partial vetoes by Governor Evers
1: were a major blow to the Republicans' hopes, at least right now, of getting something resembling a flat tax into law. We know that there had been a lot of talk going into 2023 about a flat tax. There had been a lot of talk about that during the campaign and a lot of talk about that leading into the budget process. Now, we don't have anything really close to a flat tax given the veto power, the use of that veto power by Governor Evers. Still, we know that Republicans would like to probably move Wisconsin toward a flat tax. It's just not doable under a Democratic governor. Maybe a future Republican governor could sign something like that into law, but right now they have to deal with Governor Evers. And the question is, is there a tax cut proposal that is acceptable to the Republican-controlled legislature and Governor Evers? I don't know right now, but that's certainly going to be the big talking point the, in the upcoming months. We're
0: we're done. We're done having anything signed into law. The, the The legislature only works. What they're back in September. They're probably out by November, right, to take their Christmas holiday, starting in November, mm-hmm. probably. So they're they're probably going to work like two, two and a half months. And then they're only working from January, February, March, and then some April. They're only working three and a half months next year before they hit the campaign trail. And they're only two or three seats, three seats away from a super majority in the assembly, which right. means we don't have to do anything that the governor says. We can do whatever we want. We hope to get those three seats. I don't know if that's doable, but we're just done. We're done passing any legislation. It's campaign season. Rebecca Cook has announced. Uh, In the third congressional district, I understand that's a federal race, but we are in campaign season. We're done even negotiating with the governor. We're we're just going to hope this is the thing. We're just going to hope that we get the super majority in the assembly and and then get and then we won't have to listen to the Democratic governor.
1: Rick, that is a very real possibility. I think there will be public efforts or at least public relations regarding, hey, we want a tax cut. Hey, we want to make a deal. There might be public relations in the fall surrounding that kind of messaging. But it is very possible that we just get into a bit of a holding pattern until the 2024 elections. And now what was once a $7 billion budget surplus in the state of Wisconsin – becomes a $4 billion budget surplus. And that surplus just kind of sits there until the 2024 election
0: because- It's already sat there since the, you know, we're 19 months it's been sitting around. So almost exactly that amount of money. The surplus has been sitting
1: around in some- amount or another for a long time and it could very well sit around even more just in a bit of a reduced amount i mean sit around through the next elections as the parties try to position themselves for the next elections and what what they might
0: do what about this for a strategy we're the legislature the governor isn't on the ballot anymore so it's not going to be a a super win for him but we're the legislature we just take the three and a half billion dollars and invest it in cement we just fix all the roads. three and a half billion dollars to fix all the roads. The Governor will have to sign it. The Governor can't not sign a road bill that uses all the budget surplus. And then he signs it because it looks makes him look okay. And then heading into twenty twenty four Republicans have fixed all the roads in Wisconsin. And you just got to do it. When is that, that? that election is in November. November twenty. So there won't be a ton of road construction, except that global warming has kind of kept the snow from falling. So road construction crews, because you don't want road construction crews, because if you come down to Second Street right now and try to find somewhere to park, you're like, oh, my God. And the moon tunes is going on last night and there's nowhere to park. And, and it's a, you know, just you're you're just mad about road construction. But right. then when it comes spring, then you're mad about <laughs> so if we can get that, there's a nice little November window where yeah. you can pass, fix the road bills, use all the budget surplus, and then Dem- uh, Republicans will win all the, the battles.
1: There's something to that, Rick. Those bread and butter infrastructure issues, those local issues, those tend to be really popular with voters, and they are a potential way to appeal to those swing voters, right? I mean, swing voters are not going to get fired up over the culture wars like DEI, well, how, diversity, equity, how are and we spend?
0: that money otherwise you know like yeah
1: i mean my guess would be some wait, combination of wait
0: oh, don't say it we got to go let's to break tease it we'll let's tease, tease it, it to the next segment all right <laughs> we'll be back with UW to be lacrosse political science professor dr anthony chagoski all right welcome back to lacrosse talk pms uh in studio with me is uw lacrosse political science professor dr anthony chagoski Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer, if anyone's going <laughs> yeah. to that movie. Let, let, well, you'll just have to let us know how, yes. how the double feature went. For the, oh, this was the joke last week. Well, oh, we do
1: of- have an update on this, Rick. So last week we reported that 20,000 customers of AMC theaters had booked the Barbenheimer double feature where they would see Barbie and then Oppenheimer or the reverse. You're right. And now it's up to 40,000 who yeah. have booked that at AMC. And we
0: also had Burger King news out of Thailand last week where they, they – Created a meatless ham, uh, meatless burger with 20 slices of basically Kraft Singles cheese. Um, but now we have more. We now we have combined these two stories. We have a <laughs> Barbenheimer. Well, we have a Barbie movie and a Burger King story because Burger King has a Barbie burger.
1: <laughs> it, uh, so this looks like something that is made with radioactive material. It's it So looks- it is a Barbenheimer. <laughs> it is.
0: So here's. Wait, did you try that? I, I, I have not tried no, it. No, did you try to add radioactive to the Barbie because it's an open <laughs> You didn't try that? No, I did. Well that, played. You yeah, should just take credit.
1: I'll take credit for it. So this is only available in Brazil.
0: It is. What a, is up with Burger King just not going full, uh, you know, nat- like worldwide with their specials? <laughs> here's what it has it has,
1: it's basically a cheeseburger with pink sauce. Now, The article that I'm reading doesn't explain what the pink sauce
0: is or what it tastes like. All I know is that it is some form of sauce that is bright pink. I was thinking, like, if you're going to do a Barbie burger, would would the hamburger just not be – would be very raw? (laughs) Because think about, like, all the – the, the blood from the burger gets into the bun and then it's all pink. <laughs> it's just a very demented <laughs> yeah. way to think about yeah. it. Also, Barbie's not eating hamburgers. So it would have to be, you'd have to go back to the, just the, like meatless burger some kind of vegan burger or anything like that. And yeah. anyway, we were talking about uh, Wisconsin politics and, and tax cuts and how to spend that money. I forgot what the tease was now. Do you remember? Yeah, what like, the tease was? If there is a deal. Oh yeah. How are they going to negotiate three and a half billion dollars in budget yeah, surplus it's, or four billion now,
1: with the caveat, it's very possible, as we noted in the last segment, that these negotiations could fall apart and there's just no deal through the 2024 elections and the remaining surplus, about $4 billion in the state of Wisconsin, just kind of sits there through the next election. But if there is a deal, it would probably be some combination of tax cuts and child, child care, care funding. Yeah. Yep. I think that's where these negotiations could head. Now... It might not be the original requests of the governor for child care funding. It might not be the original proposal of the Republicans for tax cuts. The parties would have to probably modify their original proposals. But if there is a trade off to be made, I do think it would be tax cut tax cuts and some child care funding in some form.
0: I just I still don't I do not understand when I, I get the 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 like thought process, Hey, we're cutting taxes and everyone loves that. But when the taxes, when the tax cuts aren't impactful to your lives at all, then it just, it doesn't make any sense to me because when it's a hundred dollars, you know, for the year, I'm going to save a hundred dollars on my taxes. Then that's just not, it's not going to help. And when it's wealthy people saving $5,000 on their taxes, they don't care about that when they're making a million dollars a year, that is a hundred dollars to them. So.
1: And in terms of impact, Rick, I mean, one way, and you mentioned this in your interview earlier this week with Governor Evers, was just a rebate, just cut people a check. Right. Now, the governor seemed noncommittal about that. He's keeping his options open, but that is on the table, well, that you would was, think.
0: That was my negotiating tactic. If he's yeah, not going yeah. to get anything passed, then, hey, I'll use Scott Walker's plan because Scott Walker, right before his reelection against Governor Evers the first time, was to use budget surplus money to give people a hundred dollars right before an election. Look at, I gave you a hundred dollars. Give me a vote, you know. It's, and, it's a and, great campaign tactic. And the Republicans passed a a bill during a when they were out of session because they never worked during. So they passed something out of session right before an election. And, hey, the governor could just go, well, I'm giving you the Scott Walker plan and only instead of $100, it needs to be like $500.
1: It's very possible that that could come up in these negotiations. And frankly, because there's a lot of public back and forth right now, there's some raw emotions from a contentious budget process. I think too early to know how any future negotiations might play But the contention
0: is that, God forbid, Governor Evers made uh, public education funding extend for 400 years.
1: Yeah, Rick. I mean, the use of the partial veto. Now, Robin Voss, the Republican Assembly Speaker, has talked about – a lawsuit. We'll see if that happens. And Robin has also talked about potentially a constitutional amendment in Wisconsin to limit the governor's veto powers. It was interesting to hear Tommy Thompson, the former Republican governor, say, you bet I loved that veto power. I mean, he had Democrats in state government. And in order to achieve Republican Party outcomes more conservative outcomes he used the veto power and it's just the reverse with governor evers with a republican legislature he's using the veto to achieve more democratic party favorable outcomes and so i thought tommy thompson offered on one of the talk shows last week offered a a, a defense of the veto and that's understandable given that he was the governor and benefited from the veto power just kind of depends on what positions you have. I mean, if you're the in the legislature, you might hate the governor's veto power. If you are governor or have been governor, you probably love yeah. the veto power. It's the
0: only power you have now is the governor. That's it. That's the only power you have. And except it probably for, doesn't except, depend. Except your that he used the veto power now to give himself power over public education funding, which is kind of genius. Yeah. Um, two things about Tommy Thompson. You mentioned him as I had governor Evers on my show earlier this week. And anyone wants to listen to that wisdom slash podcast. Uh, I'll get to the Tommy Thompson thing in a minute, but you mentioned constitutional amendment there. Republicans are talking about doing a constitutional amendment to ban the state's ability to close churches during a pandemic. Like, hopefully we don't even have to think about that for ever. Essentially, we hopefully we don't have a pandemic. But the idea that this keeps happening now, you've mentioned it and we did a constitutional amendment already. Right. Like we passed one. I can't even remember what it was for. But this seems to be a kind of an interesting way to hey, we're just going to put stuff on the ballot. That sounds good, and then that's how we're going to pass laws because we can't get anything done in the legislature. So we're going to bypass you know, the vote of the governor. The The people elected the Democratic governor, but we're going to bypass him and pass what we want but by manipulating the ballot and putting it on in, in our words so it sounds good so that it will probably get voted for. Also, last the budget was signed, We're going to – we have already taken away communities' ability to put anything on the ballot to let the legislature know this is how we feel. Counties can't put non-binding referendums on the ballot anymore. So this whole – like we're manipulating the ballot so much and we're bypassing governor's powers again or the governor's ability to at least veto stuff.
1: And Rick, speaking of the powers of local government – Speaking of lawsuits, there's talk in Milwaukee and in other local governments about suing the state government over some of the limitations that you talked about, some of the other limitations that were part of the shared revenue bill. The state kind of limiting some of the key powers of local
0: governments. Well, in Milwaukee, they had special rules for whatever reason. Maybe you could explain why Milwaukee is like a different country as compared to the rest of the state. But imagine in La Crosse if we just took away the power of the police and fire commission and just gave it to the police chief, I know we don't have a controversial police chief here and we probably would trust him, but maybe at some point we don't. And maybe, maybe we don't like the police chief here, but like the police and fire commission is there for a reason. And they do the hiring and firing and overseeing of the police. And they stripped that power from Milwaukee. And I think the top two people in the police and fire commission resigned because, Hey, you took our power away and now it just goes to the one guy instead of this commission, so I, I don't know, like there's the special like why is okay first of all, why is Milwaukee a different country? So a couple reasons. First of all,
1: it is definitely by a long shot, Wisconsin's largest city. Tons of economic activity. You've got professional sports there. You've got major businesses there. So, I mean, it really is a focal point in Wisconsin for many reasons. Now, they were facing a fiscal cliff meaning that if things didn't change, they were on the verge of a budget disaster. And so they needed a source of funding in the form of a sales tax. They added 2% to the sales tax, also additional money coming from the state. So kind of the combination of the size and the economic and the, cultural importance of Milwaukee and the major financial challenges but they, they c- were
0: facing. they couldn't just add a sales tax. They needed like, the legislature yes. to, to carve out some rules so that they could. Meanwhile, every other city could do that.
1: Not, so only Milwaukee can and only Milwaukee County can add that extra sales tax. So like the city of La Crosse could not decide today that they are going to raise the sales tax in the city of La Crosse. Now, Governor Evers has talked about that idea Potentially giving cities, yeah, I mean, potentially giving cities the option of raising the sales tax in the city as just another form of revenue. Try to diversify those forms of revenue so they aren't so reliant on the current sources they have. So they have additional forms of money. Now that is a controversy. I mean,
0: Lacrosse La tried to do a. Uh, tourism tax, yes, which was yes. just a 1% tax or a 0.01% tax on everything. Yes. Uh, it, was, it was worded in a way on the ballot. That sounded great. Oh, it's a tourism tax. on Oh, we'll get the tourists. But then you look into it. It's just literally a tax on everything.
1: And we'll see how much the new, system of funding local governments eases pressures on local governments to explore options like that, or the desire maybe to have a sales tax specific to a certain city. Again, unique certain unique circumstances in Milwaukee for well, a variety
0: of reasons. We can't have Milwaukee fail, right? Like we exactly. can't have them go bankrupt exactly. like Detroit went bankrupt. Yep. Milwaukee is our biggest city, also probably the state's most important city, right?
1: Hey, absolutely. And there had been some really, I would say, strong efforts by Cavalier Johnson, the mayor of Milwaukee, to try to build some goodwill with Republican leaders in the legislature. And those efforts have really paid off. I mean, Republicans were very resistant a couple of years ago, even, to having a special deal for Milwaukee to resolve some of the city's financial challenges and to give the city a little bit of a boost. But through careful efforts, the city has been able to have some better relations with the Republican leaders in the state legislature. In fact, a big part of that was agreeing to have the Republican Party's national convention in Milwaukee come summer of 2024.
0: But we're not going to fund those through the state budget surplus. Yeah,
1: that's another
0: thing. Like the Repu- <laughs> like the national Republican Party doesn't have money to fund it. Why would the state have to fund the Republican Party convention? Um, all right. Or the Democratic Party convention for all that, although that's in, you know, in, uh, Chicago, I believe. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about Ron Johnson. But I want to talk about him in a different way than you want to talk mm-hmm. about him. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome time back to cross Talk PM. we forgot to play this song. <laughs> this song is uh, still embattled in controversy. And, and now another song is embattled in controversy. Oh, yeah. And now we have the left doesn't like one song and the right doesn't de- like the other song. And it's just like, what kind of world are we living in? We were just, we got to cancel all the songs, <laughs> uh, you know, and then we cancel them in different ways. So, uh, be lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski is in here with me. We're talking about, uh, the state budget a little bit. and um, the talk never ends because the state legislature is, uh, you know, still got some work to do with three and a half billion dollar budget surplus. But what I wanted to, to bring up, you, you know, we you brought up Tommy Thompson. I probably need to just reach out and see if Tommy can come on the show. Because yeah. it would be interesting to have him on. Um, oh, and, he's such an interesting guy. And you, and you talked about the veto pen, and he loves the power of the veto pen. Yes. Um, and what I, what I wanted to bring up with Tommy Thompson is I had Governor Evers on earlier this week. And Governor Evers, now we're at 31 times. He's kind of visited western Wisconsin. If you want to count Sparta as western Wisconsin, I think you can. And uh, it's like basically once a week – Governor Evers has been to the area, the western Wisconsin area. He comes to Lacrosse a lot, and I asked him, you know, hey, when you come to Lacrosse, do you do any water skiing in the Mississippi River? And he just kind of, <laughs> you know, he kind of laughed and he goes, absolutely. He his answer was something like, when donkeys fly. And I think, you know, uh, yeah. I, first of all, is that a phrase when because it's when pigs fly? But is this the governor like a little bit of a doddering old man like when donkeys fly? I haven't heard that one. So, But also donkeys don't fly. So I feel like you could do the the cliche answer. You could just do any, like when cows fly, you know, or when anything. I mean, as long as he didn't say when birds fly, (laughs) because then it would be like he is water skiing. But I only brought that up because two years ago, Tommy Thompson hurt his shoulder. He did. Water skiing as a 79-year-old man. And so if nothing else, I have to bring Tommy Thompson on just to ask him if he water skis since the, since the accident, which caused him to have surgery on his shoulder. Right,
1: right. Yeah, I mean, that was quite a story. I think he's a great example. You know, at any stage in life, you can try something
0: new. Yeah, and and Tragoski loves Tommy Thompson, by the way. So <laughs> if I get Tommy Thompson on, you'll probably be calling in.
1: Well, you know, what, what I find, Tommy has a great great sense of humor. And uh, it was it was really enjoyable to be in certain events with him when he was the UW system president. And, uh, you know, I, I find him a very interesting figure in Wisconsin politics, because as we talked about, he made prolific use of the veto power and still has some vetoes from the 90s that are talked about today as being particularly creative. So it was no surprise that Tommy Thompson came out in defense, you could say, of the veto power of the Wisconsin governor in general, not any specific governor, but just the general powers of the governor.
0: Yeah. And, and Governor Evers, Governor Tony Evers used his veto pen to extend public education funding by $390 per student for the next 402 years. Mm-hmm. And that was audastic from you know the right-wing people in the area. But that's not even like, that's I don't even know if that's top three craziest things that the veto pen has done because didn't Scott Walker um, veto pen something for, like, the next 900 years? Yeah, there have been some wild
1: uses of the veto power going from Tommy Thompson through Scott Walker and other governors of Wisconsin. The governor of Wisconsin, whoever that might be, has extraordinary veto power. So, I mean, I can understand the point of view that we might want to not have a governor with such powerful Veto authority. At the same time, I think that those complaints should be grounded in principle, right? not just political party. But on principle, do people want someone to have a strong veto, no matter who is governor, no matter which political
0: party they belong to? The, the alternative to not having the veto pen power, I think, and I, I, obviously I don't have a ton of experience with the veto. I just don't know. Like, what's Governor Wall's veto pen power in Minnesota? I don't even know if he has it, but. If you don't have the veto pen power to any extent, then the then Evers gets this budget and doesn't sign it. And maybe then we we just, quote unquote, negotiate because we never negotiate and we won't have a budget maybe ever.
1: Yeah, Rick. So I before I lived in Wisconsin, I went to grad school in North Carolina and the governor of North Carolina has an up or down veto only. So the governor of North Carolina can give the thumbs up, the thumbs down, but they can't make adjustments to the particular elements of the On individual items. Yeah, the the the
0: so-called line item veto. So like the tax cut plan would just be crossed off, essentially, or voted down.
1: Yeah, so Governor Evers could cross out, essentially, much of the tax cut plan by the Republicans, but still sign into law the budget. In North Carolina, the governor would have to sign the entire budget or veto the entire budget without making those individual. Oh, changes. he couldn't.
0: Oh, I thought maybe he could thumbs down just individual. It's just proposals. all or nothing. Oh, it's all or nothing. Okay.
1: And that. And is everybody
0: here thinking like Facebook and you're just doing the thumbs up thing? Yeah, is, that, is everyone right. thinking? Or the angry face? Yeah, angry face <laughs> or a thumbs up. That's all you get. Uh, it would be funny if that's how he did it. Um, okay, so that makes sense. All right, I want to get to Ron Johnson because you have literally have thrown three stories at me about Ron Johnson. Um, we'll just I'll just read the headlines. Ron Johnson pockets four hundred thousand dollars from donors for old campaign loans. Despite saying he wouldn't do that, a uh, senator Ron Johnson might continue to repay personal campaign loans with cash from donors. And then Senator Ron Johnson, this was m- more interesting, probably less controversial, even though it should be just as controversial. <laughs> senator Ron Johnson says it's, quote unquote, certainly possible that the government was involved in the JFK assassination. And then a fourth story that we just did, not in the notes, but also Ron Johnson, mm, Jeffrey Epstein may have not killed himself. Is that the fourth one?
1: That is, Rick. So Ron Johnson was on a YouTube talk show with a YouTuber named Tommy G. And Tommy G. asked Ron Johnson if he felt that the government was involved in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And Ron Johnson said, it's certainly possible the American public deserves the truth. And we haven't gotten it, he said there's a lot of unanswered questions, and it was kind of funny to read on social media some Democrats saying, "Wow, actually, something that I
0: agree with ron Johnson on yeah, if Ron Johnson wasn't just reelected, if Ron Johnson was running instead of here and this is where I want to go with this. if Ron Johnson was running right now and he wanted to vote, all he has to do is run on j f k was assassinated by the government, and probably uh you know all those rich." uppity ups in the government that that what do they call what are what is the the uh the elites elites what are the oh there's a government term for it though the i'm not gonna think of it but like the those government elites have have, you know murdered jeffrey epstein because you know we were all on his island oh like the deep state the deep state there it is yeah so the deep state murdered jeffrey epstein like ron johnson would have won by a landslide or would win by a landslide but what i want to bring up is if ron johnson came if he was running right now Tammy Baldwin's running, she is and this is just okay, so Steve, <laughs> I'm going so many directions. This was my question that I wanted to ask the political comedian that was in lacrosse last night. a very just comes out, I'm a liberal, I'm a progressive comedian, that's my take. If you don't like it, you know, like why are you here and i and you can ask audiences can ask questions, and I wanted to just get the question out. I go, we have Ron Johnson, whatever we have we have Tammy Baldwin, the first open openly gay u s senator. And we have Ron Johnson and whatever you want to call Ron Johnson, like anti-COVID, COVID conspiracy, now very conspiracy theorist. And you have Wisconsin. What do you think of Wisconsin when you have these two complete – like there is no other like, political part, part of party in the world or political system in the world that has the most op- – more opposite of two state senators sure. right, or U.S. senators than those two. Right. How did we get here? And also, if those two ran right now against each other, Turgosky, who would win?
1: I think Tammy Baldwin would have a pretty good chance right now because she's entering into campaign mode. Now, Rick, if both were in campaign mode at the same time, I think it would be a coin flip. I don't know for sure who would win. I mean, what we've seen in recent polls is that Ron Johnson's popularity has gone down since the election. But that's not surprising. I mean, when you're campaigning for office, you're trying to appeal to the voters. And then when you win, you kind of relax when you're a U.S. senator or you move on to other things. You change your style. And yeah, now, what is he
0: doing now, though? Well, doing interviews is, with Tommy G. Well, this is like appealing to everybody. Yes, JFK was assassinated by the deep state, and so was Epstein. He's running for
1: office right now. Yeah, it's. Int- I mean, Ron Johnson definitely is someone who entertains these conspiracy theories. I mean, the interesting thing about conspiracy theories is that there are some conspiracy theories where very few people believe it. There are other conspiracy theories where a lot of people believe it. And so maybe Ron Johnson could bring that kind of conspiracy theory style to the more popular conspiracy theories. I mean, I was before the show looking up some polls on the JFK assassination. The most recent one I could find was from CBS News in 2018. And the question is, do you think there was an official cover-up to keep the public from learning the truth about the JFK assassination? And 54% of adults say there was a cover-up only 35% say there was not a cover up so that's quite a few more who say there was a cover up so i think there probably is some popularity that ron johnson could gain if he emphasized some of these ideas that the public kind of agrees with him on
0: back into the left back into yeah. the left the, the magic bullet like we all we all seen the movie or at least the clip of it or seen the seinfeld where they did the spitting of on 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 keith hernandez or the or the the the, the pitcher anyway uh, with Newman and Kramer uh, I know more about that than I do probably the JFK assassination <laughs> itself honestly um, yeah so it's it's just kind of funny to to see here uh, you know like because I, I what's going to happen now over the next couple of weeks Tregoski is Tammy Baldwin's going to go absolutely the deep state was part of this A- A- JFK assassination and I don't know who killed Epstein but it wasn't Jeffrey Epstein Tammy Baldwin's just going to take it and she's like yeah I'm going to run with this as well nobody's going to stop her if she goes here it's so interesting, Rick, how you mentioned the completely
1: opposite styles that Ron Johnson and Tammy Baldwin have. I mean, can you imagine Tammy Baldwin doing an interview with a YouTube na- YouTuber named Tommy G talking about like the JFK assassination? Well, it sounds
0: like they need their own, <laughs> own weekly show, Tommy and Tammy. <laughs> yeah, I like Ta- that. Tammy B and Tommy G. Let's do it. I mean,
1: well, Tommy G portray he he brags about having quote the craziest documentaries on YouTube. So maybe we should check them out. I mean, if they're that, you know, if they're that wild.
0: I mean, Ron Johnson's got six years of of just he can do whatever he wants. And that's
1: the thing about being a United States senator. Your terms are so long that once you get elected, you can really change your focal points. You can change the policies that you talk about and change kind of your style. Yeah, we'll all
0: forget we have four second memories. Um, we're, we're all going to forget because I almost forgot the first two stories that we mentioned. These are more controversial than his, you know, his take on JFK assassination. He's just pocketing money now. What's the deal? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Ron Johnson has, he, he, he loaned himself a lot of money, Throughout his campaigns, you know, he has a lot of personal wealth. And so, you know, what you can do when you have a lot of personal wealth is you can just put that money into your campaign. Now, recently, due to a Supreme Court decision, a U.S. Supreme Court decision, you can take money from donors to repay yourself as the candidate from money that you, the candidate, put into the race. And so what was discovered from the recent campaign finance reports was that Ron Johnson paid himself back $400,000 from his campaign, the money that he had loaned out to his campaign. Now, there is some question, like, did he say that he wasn't going to do this? Is he going back on a promise that he made? I honestly don't know, but, you know, there there are the optics, right, like, of paying yourself back money But then again, I mean, Ron Johnson isn't up for reelection for a
0: long time. He may not even run again. Well, this just goes to the the fact that if you and I were going to run for office, I would loan myself some money, but it would only be like $2,000 because that's all the money that I can loan myself because I'm, I didn't marry a millionaire, you know, so like Ron Johnson,
1: you know, and Rick, there's a lot of talk speaking of us senators, speaking of Tammy Baldwin, there's a lot of talk about the Republicans maybe picking a nominee, who can put a lot of their personal wealth into the campaign, whoever that nominee might be. There's talk about Eric Hovde and Scott Mayer, two business people who might jump into the race and could potentially put some of their own money in.
0: So you, what you're saying is what the Supreme Court does. We don't even get to laugh at the billionaires that lose the election now because they loan, they put their own money into their campaigns like Tim Michaels because yeah. at the end of the day they could just pay themselves back yeah, with the so, money. So, so
1: let's say I have $500,000 and I – put that $500,000 into my campaign. I can then raise $500,000 from donors and pay myself back. That's essentially what, but after, in any after my, the fact, after, after the fact, is there I, a time
0: fact there's no timeline. So forever. I could yeah. just, so Ron Johnson's still campaigning
1: in, in essence. I mean, he, if, he,
0: if he didn't make up that money,
1: I mean, as recently as this spring, he has been sending out fundraising
0: emails. What's to stop anyone from just like, you know, anyone that if I have a billion dollars, we should put a billion. you know, you'd have to raise a billion dollars. Yep. That's yep. a lot of money. But you could as long as you could raise the money, then just I'm going to put as much money as the millionaire that I have in. It really reduces the risk of a candidate putting their
1: own personal wealth. Well, into and it the widens campaign. the
0: gap into who gets to run for office now.
1: It'll be interesting to track that, Rick, to see if more wealthy people are interested in running and maybe self funding or loaning themselves money with the expectation that they could then get that money back
0: this is the new deep state right here just <laughs> there these, you go. just the idea that these millionaires get to run for office and we can't even afford it because the new numbers out and i want to i got we got to go to break but the new numbers are out on how much the wisconsin supreme court race and it's 56 million dollars for two people to run in the supreme
1: court at least 56 million like that's the low end estimate from whizpolitics.com 56 million dollars on the Wisconsin state Supreme Court race Rick the previous record for most spending on a Supreme Court race was 15 million meaning that Wisconsin almost quadrupled the record for spending on a state Supreme Court race
0: this this year 56 that's like four roundabouts. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick so, I'm feeling, sitting in here with me this hour, UW lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tragasi. We're just going to wrap up here on a Friday, talking about Ron Johnson, the Wisconsin state budget, and another Burger King story, and <laughs> Barbenheimer. And uh, what do you want to wrap up with here?
1: Yeah, you know, Rick, a lot of talk in recent days, recent weeks, about the possibility of a third-party presidential candidate. What's really interesting is that a lot of people like the idea of a third-party ticket, but when you actually give them names of who that third-party candidate might be, the support for the third-party candidate drops the support for the third party ticket drops. So for instance, there was a poll from Monmouth University that found that if you just tell people, "Hey, would you want to vote for a third party candidate?" 30% of people say yes. Right. If you actually give them some names of people who might be a third party candidate, the support is cut in half. So people like the concept of a third party candidate but the reality of a third party candidate when you say, OK, well, here's your candidate. Here's your third party candidate. who Here's who you can vote for. Then people are less enthusiastic about a third party candidate. We
0: don't need just a third party. We need probably a fourth party and then maybe a fifth party. We need like five parties. And I don't know where they would sit on the spectrum of politics, but we need a, a far left party and then we need um, a far right party. But I feel like we kind of already have a far right party. <laughs> if that's Donald Trump, he would be far right, right? You could say that. It kind of depends how you define far right.
1: You know, there are European democracies, for instance, that do have or five parties and you would call maybe one of the parties in those countries a far right party you might call another a far left party and then the more moderate parties but there are plenty of democracies that do have a multi-party system right now it would not really be possible for the u.s under the current system of government to have a multi-party system but you could reform the system to make it more
0: feasible yeah we wouldn't get anyone on the debate stage with anyone else exactly. so it would just it's it's kind of ludicrous but but like the, the Democratic Party right now, until they start saying we need universal health care again, because we pretended to do that a couple of like a couple of elections ago, uh, I, they're like a down the middle party at this point. Like Joe Biden is like moderate Republican in my or middle of the road, maybe a little bit right leaning uh, in, in terms of where in, in the grand scheme, world politics, I feel like that's you know, probably he's probably right down the middle in the political spectrum. So that's why I say maybe we need a left party and then a far left party.
1: To that point, Rick, political science surveys showed that Biden was viewed as more moderate than the average Democrat. We don't know how he's going to be viewed in 2024, but at least in 2020, that image helped him.
0: Does he get to be more moderate because he says things? Because when it goes to, I want to cancel student loan debt, that's a good thing to say, but then it doesn't work out for him. Does he get to get the punch his I'm a lefty ticket when he gets to say the things?
1: I mean, that is the big question hovering over the 2024 campaign, because as a candidate, He was able to position himself as more moderate than the average Democrat. But now that he's actually been president, we don't know necessarily how his policy achievements or lack thereof at the case might might be. I mean, his critics will say that he was too far left or his critics will say that he's incompetent or whatever the case might be. We don't know how he's going to be viewed necessarily in 2024.
0: Plus, we had a pandemic. So everything that we did was kind of, you know, like to solve that, to to get out of that. And that stuff was, you know, kind of, oh, we're going to give. The free school lunches, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's two left now. Um, anyway, that's UW-LaCrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tragoski. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks,
1: Rick.